Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. All right, we are in a kicking series in the book of Acts. We are in chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, so with no more introduction than that, let's jump on into the scripture. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a honking big noise. Now, why do we insert honking big? Because the Bible says, you read the whole chapter, later in that chapter, the Bible says that this was so loud, everybody in town flocked to that house to see what the sand hill is going on. Now, a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven. Has anybody here ever been close enough to a tornado to hear it? Yes. Have anybody here, you, you've been around, anybody heard one? Mm-hmm. Everybody that ever heard the tornado always describes it the same way on the news. It sounds like a freight train. Yes, it does. Is that is that accurate? Yes. I haven't been around one, but they all say it's like when I got imagine being in this day. They didn't have freight trains. They didn't know what a freight train sounded like. But here we are. It's just a violent rushing wind. I, mean, I, I tell you, I always love to see the. The interviews after the tornado, because you always have that woman in pink sponge curlers with very few children. Yep. I heard it coming, and I didn't have to, I just went to my basement now. <laughs> so there's this noise. I mean, honking noise, like a violent rushing wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and flames, tongues, is, I hate that they use the word tongues twice, because this word is actually the Greek word for flames. Flames that look like fire appeared to them, and this is important, we talked about last week, distributed themselves to each one. Everybody got their own flame. A flame rested on each one of their heads. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues, different languages, as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Now, hear me say this. If you don't read carefully, you might think, oh, well, see, God gave them that ability to speak with other languages because the people that were there needed to hear it in their own language. And, and that's how they all got witnessed to it. See, they were telling people how to get saved. They were, it's not what they were doing. They weren't witnessing. Read the Bible. Read carefully. And read what's there. The Bible says that every one of them heard them speaking in their own language. But what were they speaking? They were declaring the wonders of God. They were praising. They weren't talking to those people. They heard it in their own language, but they weren't being taught to. That'll be important in a couple of weeks, but just kind of follow that away. So guys, this message is Earth, Wind, and Fire. Why? Because it's September. (laughs) When Earth experienced the wind and fire, that's what we're talking about. The day of Pentecost, God, I know you're looking for it. You are hopelessly lost in the 70s and 80s. You can't When earth was invaded with wind and fire, and the power of the Holy Spirit came. And so guys, hear hear me say it. We talked a lot about this, this, the day of Pentecost. And last week, we talked about Pentecost itself. Celebrated Moses giving the law on stone tablets. And how Pentecost was writing the law on our hearts. Pentecost was also a feast of harvest and the Holy Spirit comes and enables us, empowers us for harvest. So there's all this work in here. But guys, I want you to look at just a very simple equation. This initial outpouring comes with wind and fire. 
They all got together in one accord in agreement in unity, and suddenly here is wind and fire. Now you can have fire without wind. And you can have wind without fire. But you put wind plus fire, and that equals wildfire. Anybody been watching the news? That's what wildfire is, guys. It's fire driven by the wind. Now I don't know about y'all. I every time by the time my daughter got to be 12, 13, she'd be hanging out with some of her friends. And if they had a question, my daughter, you could see her pat her friend's leg and say, Don't ask my daddy, it's gonna be a long <laughs> But when I taught my child fire safety, I taught her that Fire safety is the easiest thing in the world if you have to deal with fire because fire has to have two things. Fire has to have fuel, something to burn, and fire has to have air, wind, oxygen. You cut off any of them, you ain't got no fire. You get, a, you get a pan of oil on your stove that catches fire. Well, if you're an idiot, you try to take that pan and move it over to the sink and pour. What you're doing is you're spreading out the fuel so it gets more air. And you're just, ah, uh -uh. somebody with a head would go, give me that pot lid. <laughs> Cut off its air, fire goes out. Cut off the fuel, fire goes out. But you give fire fuel, something to burn, and wind. And all of a sudden, you got something that human beings can't control. And so if you give the Holy Spirit something to burn and you allow His wind to burn through, to blow through your life, all of a sudden you come up with something that you can't control. You, you yourself are not going to be... And guys, this, here's the first point of this message. If we're going to live a Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered, Spirit-led life, you're not going to control it. Jesus tried to tell us this in John 3. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, you, you can't even get close to the things of God unless you are born a second time. And Nicodemus said, how am I supposed to do that? Am I supposed to climb back up in my mother's womb? Because that ain't happening. And how am I supposed to be born a second time? And Jesus, I don't know if any of y'all ever read this, but for years I read this and I was like, what the Sam Hill is this? Because Jesus goes really oblique here. He's talking about being born again. And look what he says. This is to Nicodemus. The wind blows wherever it wants to. And you hear the sound of it. But you don't know where it's coming from and where it's going. So is everyone who has been born of the Spirit. And don't you know Nicodemus went... Huh? What? And guys, for the longest time, I had no idea what this was talking about. But in Greek and in Hebrew, crazily enough, in Greek and in Hebrew, the word for wind is the exact same word for breath, which is also the exact same word for spirit. So the only way you know we're talking about the Spirit of God is that sometimes he'll say Spirit of God, pneumaticos theos, or Holy Spirit, pneumaticos uh, you, you have That's the only way you know that it's specific. But this is talking about, Jesus said, everybody that's born of the capital S, Spirit. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit here. 
And what Jesus is trying to tell us is, you signed up for this life, and it is Judy. The day you got saved, you signed away the Judy-controlled life, and you signed up for the Jesus-controlled life. Amen. The Spirit-controlled life. Now, everybody I know wants God to, to live on the inside of you, wants God to do great things. And I sure want the good stuff. I want the provision and the healing and the, you know what I'm saying, and the peace in the middle. I want all that stuff. But I don't know about handing Jesus the reins. Most of us want to drive until we get in the skid, and then it's Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> but until I'm in the skid, I got this. How do I know? Because you have that bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot. Well, honey, you need to get out the big seat. Right, right. <laughs> you need to get out the big chair. Yeah, God is not your co-pilot. God ain't your co-nothing. And when we sign on for a spirit-led life, now read this. The wind blows where it wants to. Anybody here ever come to Jesus? Anybody here ever get filled with the Spirit? Anybody here ever really try to lean in and follow God? And the next thing you know, you're getting blown somewhere you didn't pick the sign up for? <laughs> God sets a wildfire in me, and the next thing I know, that fire has leapt over from the, my church life, my holy life, my prayer life, to starting to burn over here in a little spot of, hmm, maybe you shouldn't have said that to your wife. And I'm like, God, I didn't ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, the Holy Spirit will inspire you and open up the scripture to you. But the Holy Spirit will also stop you halfway through a text and say, delete it. Right. Amen. Holy Spirit will stop you right in the middle of having the perfect comeback and say, say nothing. I don't want that. <laughs> and my goodness, don't even ask me about the Holy Spirit fire leaping over and getting into how I deal with my money. Because God, this is mine. That's yours. This is mine. But see, the problem with it is, C.S. Lewis was right when he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. And he talks about God, Jesus, as being personified in the books as a lion. But every time he comes up, he always makes a point of saying, y'all know, he's not attaining life. He's not controlled. Right. And I, I tell you, I get uncomfortable myself because I've been around ultra-charismatic people who actually have ordered God around. Yes. I, I mean, I, I've been in a room when somebody was praying and they said, God, I call you into account for your word. And your word says this and you have to do it. And I was like, I don't think I would presume I'm going to back off on telling God his business. That's right. What I'm going to do is, God, you can win. You're going to blow where you will. And I, what's right here? I can hear the sound of it. Can anybody else recognize God after he does something? You see his hand. You see the, the effect. It's just like wind. I can't tell you there was great wind until I see the, the top of the QT come over. <laughs> then I know that's a big wind. <laughs> I mean, I, believe me, I lived in the south for hurricanes. You see a pine tree twisted and broke off, and it's like, that's a big wind. <laughs> well, did flesh and blood tell you that? No, I just see the effect of it. But I didn't see the wind. You can't see the wind. You hear the sound of it, but hear me say it, guys. You're not going to know where it's coming from, and you're not going to know where he's going. But when we sign up for a spirit-filled life, what we're signing up for is, you know better than me, so I'm going to trust and I'm going to follow. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. 
And believe me, guys, you launch off into a completely different kind of relationship with God when you say, whatever you want to go, I'll go. Whatever you want to do, I'll do. Would you be comfortable giving God a solid week of you only have to tell me once? Now, most of us, I mean, most of us that are parents, we know what it is to wish that our child would obey before we get 75. Why? 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 Why, Mama? Why? Or in a minute, Mama. I'm going to do it in a minute, Mama. Or have anybody ever talked to your children and you're just convinced they're deaf? No response at all. Absolutely nothing. And you know why God gives us kids? To teach us something about himself and us. Because every time I ever went to prayer and I told God about my stiff neck, self-ruling daughter, God would go, I know just how you feel. <laughs> would you be comfortable giving God a, it only takes telling me once a week? You only got to tell me once, God. You only got to lean into my heart and nudge me with that Holy Spirit elbow once. Hey, Court. That hundred dollar bill you got stuck in your wallet, I want you to give it to the waitress at Waffle House. God, I'm gonna need 15 signs. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> need some what you call confirmation. <laughs> and I can dress it up in church words, guys. I can do it all day long. But I'm just telling you, would you be comfortable with one week of you only have to tell me once? And I will be easily moved. Because get it. The Spirit of the Lord goes to and fro throughout the earth. Searching for a heart that is committed totally to Him. And I searched for a man. I searched for a woman who would stand in the gap. So I'm asking, are you, are you willing to become who God is looking for? Because you know who does the miracles? The ones that are at hand and willing. You know who sees the, mad, the, the provision of God flow through them? Is there anybody here a manager? Anybody here manages people in any way? A man, I'm talking about a manager. When you got something that needs to be done, who do you look to? Do you look to the sometimers? Or if, I mean, I'm talking about this crucial. Who are, who are your go-to people? The consistently, yes, sir, got it, done. I mean, when I was a minister of music, guys, I, I always told every pastor I ever worked for, if I have any issues, if I have any problems, if I have any disagreement, I will tell you in your office privately. But when I walk out this door, we will be in unity. We will have a unified front. And you're the man that's going to answer to God one day. So you got to tell me once and I'll do it. And I, I'm telling you, I have been wrong so many times. He knew best. Why? Because he was God's man in that spot. Wasn't he? he was smarter. He wasn't better. He wasn't holier. He was just in that spot. And God told him, no. yes, sir. Thank God. 
Understanding and agreement are no prerequisites to obedience. You can understand, you can, you can agree, you can obey without understanding. You can uh, obey without agreeing. Let's move forward because I think y'all get this. There is no such thing as church without Holy Spirit power. This is a major point. You have meetings. You can even whip people up emotionally and have one heck of a pep rally in Jesus' name. <laughs> Guys, believe me, as a minister of music, I know what it is to have a kick-in service where people were up and clapping and shouting and dancing. And I, and I, have, I, I have heard the voice of the Holy Spirit behind me as I ran out ahead of what God wanted to do. I was leading a pep rally. And the worst thing I've ever heard God say to me in a service was, whenever you're through, I heard God speak that to me one day. And I was like, but God, we're having a great time. And he said, mm -hmm, you're running right past what I came in here to do. And there are people who need what I came to do. So whenever you're through. And I was like, Lord, I'm so sorry. And I never told those people, but I toned it down with the end, and we went to a worshipful time. And next thing you know, somebody with a gift of prophecy stood up and said what the Lord really had come there to do. And I got finished with that, and I went home. And I, I, I'll tell you, I got down, and I repented. I was like, God, I'm so sorry. My job is not pep rally. My job is following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I don't care what you call it, it ain't church if you don't have the Holy Spirit in it. Some of y'all have suffered through more dead church services than you can count. But because it, because it had the Word of God, but didn't have any Holy Spirit in it. Now, let me tell you one better. Because to me, when this dawned on me, and I thought this is what the Lord spoke to me, I was like, gosh. Jesus did no significant teaching past resurrection. Nothing. And he did nothing teaching-wise except for the few words we have at the beginning of Acts, which basically is, hold up, wait for the Holy Spirit. But he didn't know, nothing's written down post-resurrection. And I'm telling you, there were a couple of times I would give anything I owned to hear what he said. The Bible says on the road to Emmaus, he meets up with two disciples. And he says, what's up, guys? And they go, you don't know. It has been a mess in Jerusalem. And he said, well, what happened? And they said, you must be living under a rock, dude. They killed Jesus. There was a prophet from Nazareth, and we just knew he was the Messiah. And they killed him dead, and it was a mess. And I'm telling you, the sky went dark, and the earthquake, and rocks fell up, and the dead, some of the dead people got up. Read your Bible. It's all there. It was something. And Jesus goes, you know what I'm saying? And they recognize him finally. And the Bible says in the Gospels, he opened the scriptures. He's preaching now on the Old Testament. Jesus, and he opened himself how Messiah had to suffer and how all these things had to be. And can you imagine sitting in that teaching session where Jesus is saying, flip on over Isaiah 17. There, there I am. And now look at this. Interface this with, with Amos. There, there I am. 
I would give anything to know what he said. But do you know what the Bible says? Nothing. What's my point? The disciples had all of Jesus' words. They had all of Jesus' teaching. And yet he said, don't try to move forward until you get the Holy Spirit. Now guys, that's significant. Because there is no church without the Holy Spirit power. Now, y'all hear me say this. Y'all know in my heart, I am a big Bible guy. I am all about the Bible. And we don't have any sermon point, but what I have 17 scriptures to back it up. But without the Holy Spirit, God's truth does not get applied to my heart. It's not that the word is not true, and it's not that the word is not powerful. The problem is the interface. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Look at, uh, skip scripture, please, and go to the next. No, go back one now. There we go. The job of the Spirit of God is to make God's truth experiential in people's lives. So here you've got God's Word. And it is powerful and it is true. But it is the Holy Spirit that communicates this from that the truth to that's true in my life. Amen. You can know God is a healer all day long. But until the Holy Spirit does something on the inside of you, you're not going to be healed yourself. And guys, this statement, this job of the Spirit of God is to make the truth of God experientially in people's lives. It works for unbelievers as well as believers. Watch right here. Man is sinful. Man has no hope. Man needs a Savior. That's the truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. How did you get saved? The Holy Spirit took that truth and zeroed in on your heart. And the Bible will go so far as to say you can't get saved without it. Can't get saved if you're, the Spirit doesn't draw you. So the Spirit takes the very Word of God and says, look right here. Kristen, that Word is not just true for people. It's true for you. It's not just people need to say You need to say You can't help yourself. And see, guys, when you got saved, it's because it came real to you. And you said inside your own self, I need to say I, I need Well, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Word is not strong enough. But the Holy Spirit takes that truth and literally infuses it into people. How do Christians transform? How do you get better? How do you get closer to God? God's truth. Guys, this is why you read the Bible. It's not doing your holy homework. Every time you crack open the scriptures, the Holy Spirit will take something that is part of the truth of God and infuse it into your life. Amen. This is the difference between the Holy Spirit coming upon you and living within you. See, the Holy Spirit came upon people in the Old Testament for a job. They did the job most times, and then the Holy Spirit would live. Very, very few times did the Holy Spirit fill somebody in the Old Testament. Why? Because if I took a giant, like if I was dehydrated, pretend like I'm standing here sick from dehydration. Y'all tell me, how much good would it do for me to take the water and pour it on top of my head? Right. 
None. The water's water, and would it meet my need? Yes. But not unless it gets in me. Truth is truth. And will it meet your need? Yes. The truth of God will meet your need. But you've got to get over here and get it in you. When you pour that into yourself. And you know what's crazy? Get it, get it, get it, guys. Once you pour it in, you can't just pull it out. Anybody here know anything about poison control? You can pump as perfect as you stomach, but you won't get it all. And so if you get something in you you shouldn't have, the only hope you have is dilution. You pour water and water and water and try to get it diluted inside yourself. Well, guys, once you get the Holy Spirit in you, it, it becomes part of you, the very fabric of who you are. Once you, you, the, you incorporate, and the same is true with the truth of God. He takes the truth of God and infuses it and it becomes part of you. Why do we think we take communion? Why does God want you to eat and drink something? Because as soon as you've eaten and drink, drank it, you can't separate it from who you are. And Jesus said, that's my body, that's my blood. Guys, this ties together so beautifully, guys. There's so much good here. But it is the Holy Spirit. And the truth of it is, guys, God tried to tell us in the Old Testament, Zechariah, it's not by might, not by power, but it's by my spirit. And then look what Paul says in the New Testament. I absolutely love this. Understand that we're talking about the Apostle Paul, who has a PhD in doctrine and, and, and rabbiing. In fact, Paul says, I was educated by Gamaliel. You don't get any higher than that. Gamaliel was the top dog, and Paul was on his way to being one of the head guys in the Sanhedrin. I mean, we're talking about an educated guy. But look what he says. My message and my preaching, I did not use my language skills. And he could have. He could have dressed it in language that was incredible. He didn't use persuasive words of wisdom. But no, my message, my preaching, were in demonstration of the Spirit and in demonstration of the power. Why? Because, dear God, I don't want your faith to be built on my words. So that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. Hear me say this. As your pastor, I have one goal when I come to this pulpit. And the goal I have is to push you every way I can think of to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God. Amen. Because most of you in this room will outlive me. And the day I'm home with Jesus, I want to know that your faith doesn't stumble. Your faith doesn't pause. You don't have a hold up here because, well, I was waiting on Joseph to tell me what God said. No, 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 no. If, if I do my job, you end up going to the Bible. You end up having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And you read the Word and God talks to you Himself. God speaks to you Himself. Believe me, I appreciate it and love the fact that I am so well loved and so well respected in this place. And I value it. But dear God, don't build your faith on the wisdom of Joseph. Build your faith on the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God. That's the point here. So, let's, let, let's, let's wrap this up. Let's land this plane. With, if we want this kind of a relationship with the Holy Spirit, what do we got to do? What, what, how do we line up for this? I want me some of it. 
Well, here we go. Two important prerequisites. And these are just as simple as... I mean, we're talking just easy. If we have any hope of being filled with God's Holy Spirit, like those first disciples were filled, we need to come like they came. Don't miss it, guys. The first one's easy to miss. Obedience. Obedience. Specifically, Jesus said He commanded. Acts 1-4. Gathering them together, He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but get together and wait till the promise of the Father comes. They didn't know if they were waiting for 10 days or 100. They didn't know anything about the wait. They just know He said wait, so we're going to be waiting. 500 of them saw Him alive after the resurrection, but only 120 of them obeyed. So, do what He told you to do. And if you're unsure, watch right here. Do the last thing He told you. He hadn't forgotten where He left you. Do the last thing He told you to do and do it hard. Just obey whatever He has said to you. Hey, simple obedience ushers in the very presence of the Spirit of God. I cannot tell you how many people in my life have given me multiple great-sounding excuses for why they aren't obeying what God's clearly told them to do in the Scripture. I'm not talking about a bunch of gray areas. I'm not talking about a bunch of inter open to interpretive areas. I'm talking about clear directions. Well, Pastor, let me explain to you why it's just not feasible at this point in my life to really do what, what the Bible says right now. I'm going to say this with all the love I have, and only because I do love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. Obey the last thing He told you to do. They waited for 10 days, and they didn't know that they had 60 more days to go. But they were where they were told to be, doing what He told them to do, till the promise came. Simple obedience. Again, God gives His children to teach us something about Himself. So, have any of you ever communicated clearly with your child, only to have them try to pull the wool over your eyes and say, I didn't really understand you. Could you tell the difference? Do you know when that sweet, precious angel is lying? Yeah. You know. I'm, I'm just telling you guys, obey whatever the last thing is. Obey what it says to do in the Word. Because the truth of it is, your excuses and, and your wonderful justifications make no difference to me. I'm not the God who told you to do it in the first place. But you're wasting your breath trying to convince me to give you a pass on something God told you to do. I can't do it. And I don't care if that thing is, is forgive somebody, love somebody, tithe, whatever it is that you know God told you to do, Whatever the thing is, just do it. Just do it. It's not between you and me. It's between you and Him. The second prerequisite is unity. Unity. Look at, look at verse 1. King James. I love the King James. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. How many of y'all know you can all be in one place and not be in one accord? And I'm not talking about getting into a small haunt. <laughs> They were all, they were together, but they weren't just together physically. They were together spiritually. They were together mentally. They were together. They had no divisions among them. And God, that's true. That is hard to do. Just because we're gathered in one spot doesn't mean we have unity. 
Unity is itself a supernatural factor in the mix. Unity is literally the path over which the Holy Spirit flows. Let me show you this in the Old Testament. It's so cool. Oil in the Old Testament is always a picture of the Spirit of God. Every time you see oil, especially the anointing oil, it's a picture of the Spirit of God. So look at Psalm 133. Behold, that word just means look, guys. Look. How good and how pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. And now here we're going to tell you what unity is like. It's like when they pour the precious oil on the head and then it runs down the beard as on Aaron's beard and the oil runs down to the collar, down the robe. And look, the Bible is even specific to say all the way to the hem, to the edge of the robe, to the very bottom. So look at the picture we're given here. Oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And how does the oil function? When you pour oil on somebody's head, it doesn't jump their beard to get to their clothes. Unless you have a really long nose. <laughs> it doesn't jump. The oil flows over your head, which is a direct connection to your beard, which is in direct connection with your collar, which is, and it flows all the way to, Guys, the, the unity that we have one with another is the pathway that the oil of the Holy Spirit floods over. And when you disconnect the unity, the hymn has no hope of getting any oil. If the oil doesn't make it to the collar. Our unity with one another is what causes us to. And you guys hear me say this. This is crazy. But this principle is so strong in scripture. It works with or without God. With or without God. Yeah, the Bible says Genesis 11. Uh, I told you last week. When God gave them all one language, this, this one, God gave them different tongues, but they all heard in their own language. This is the undoing of the Tower of Babel, because God gave them all different languages and nobody understood each other. So God reverses that at Pentecost. They're all in different languages, but they all have understanding. They're all together. Well, what that's talking about is back in Genesis 11. Everybody has one language, one, one speech. They're all talking the same thing. And this bunch in Genesis 11, without God, rebellion to God, said, we're going to build us a city, and we're going to get the glory, and we're going to make a name for ourselves, and we're going to build us a tower that reaches all the way to the sky. And look what the Bible says. The Lord came down to look at this city and the tower the people were building. And having no one else to talk to, he talks to himself, Trinity. Look, he said. The people are united, and they all speak the same language. Here in Hebrew, it's they're all saying the same thing. There, it's not just a language we're talking about. It's they're, they're on one, the same page. Therefore, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Guys, this was not God's intent. God is not in this effort. God is not blessing this tower. But because they got in so much unity... God himself says, I tell you what, you get people together in unity to that degree, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. 
Now you tell me how much more will this work if it's God breathed, God spoken, and God's Holy Spirit is in it. If we get in you, tell me, nothing would be impossible for us. So, answer me this question. God wants to stop this power. So does he kill the people? No. Does he destroy the tower? Does he pull the rug out from under the tower and destroy the tower? All he does is, he tweaks them. Just the slight, doesn't even hurt them. God doesn't hurt them. He just said, tweak. And all of a sudden, y'all can't be on the same page anymore. Because you can't understand her. She can't understand you. God can't understand them. You can't understand. All God did was tweak their unity. And by tweaking their unity, all of a sudden, any hope of getting anything accomplished and moving forward was taken from them because they were not in unity. Take a lesson, guys. This is a lesson for us. This is why the Bible is so straight up. I mean, with Look at Ephesians. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. But pastor, I'm right. I know. But pastor, you don't know what they are. But pastor, but pastor. All Bible is telling, and I'm not telling you. God is telling you. Make every effort. Well, I've made more effort than they did. Have you made every? Look at that scripture. Now I plead with you, brethren, and look, when Paul whips out the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the same name he heals in. This is the same name he casts out devils in. So he is by, I mean, talking about the powerful name of Jesus. I beg you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, y'all talk the same thing. Get on the same page. That there be no divisions among you. That you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Why? Because if we do that, inhabited by the Spirit of God, we are unstoppable. We, you cannot... It works with or without God, but it works better with. And guys, this great commission, this thing out in front of us, holy Moses. If we would, if we would obey and we would get in unity. So how do I want to wrap this up today? Well, I really do. I want you to think about something that the Lord just made me think about this week. And I was like, man. Today, in this building, over the space of two services, we will gather together with more than twice as many people as they have on the day of Pentecost. Troy First December. Today, we will, over the course of the two services, we will have at least 240 people, if not more. So you tell me. What's stopping us? When we get there on that day, what are we going to tell them? 120. Half this congregation. And that's not even our whole congregation. Because guys, if you look at the number of people who come to church here, it's about 335 total people. We just don't ever get everybody on a Sunday. Nobody. They ever have a Sunday where everybody shows up. But I'm just telling you. 120 people changed the entire world. Look right here, guys. That 120, 2,000 years ago, changed your world. Changed your life. 
changed your kids' world, changed America. And they did it with 120 who were no smarter, no holier, no, they're no better people. Read the New Testament. These are not necessarily good people. It's true. So what I'm asking you is, what about, the, what, about what God is handing us to do? What about the, the, the access to His Holy Spirit and the, the but see, we're given this exact same, same request. Obey, get in unity, get about the work I've left you here to do. Get filled with the Holy Spirit and then get in unity and move this, this ball down the field. Guys, you are responsible for your generation and you are responsible to be the legacy for the next. That's what you're responsible for. I can't save anybody back in the 1800s. I can't affect them. But these people in Troy, in Lincoln County, in St. Charles, in Winslow, these people I'm living around, I am responsible. I am called to reach. And so are you. And guys, don't tell me, well, Pastor, we just don't have the resources. Because you know what? We got twice as much as they did. And they didn't have an air-conditioned building in the Middle East. They didn't have lights. They didn't have instruments. They didn't have, they didn't have three-quarters of the stuff we got and take advantage of and take for granted. Come on, let's stand together. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll be done for today. Would you go ahead and close out for just one moment? We talked earlier about how people get saved and how it really is the Holy Spirit that takes the truth of God and brings it home to me as an individual. So I just ask, guys, because I have asked, it's, it's appropriate. If you're here and, and at some point in this message, at some point in this time, maybe it was during the worship time, you really felt God leaning into you and drawing your heart. Guys, that was the Holy Spirit. That's not, that's not emotionalism. That's not just a coincidence. That is God's Holy Spirit holding you, drawing you to get right with God. Drawing you to repent and turn around from your way. Walk away from your way and turn to His way. So I just have to ask you, is there anybody here this morning, you're not right with Jesus, and you, you know you need to say Him. You need to get right with God, and you're ready to turn around and walk. Anybody here just lift a hand and say, ask me, Pastor. Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.